Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. Welcome to Lead to Win. This is our weekly podcast where we talk about how to win at work and succeed at life. This week, we're joined by somebody really special, Pat Lencioni. He's one of the founders of The Table Group and is the pioneer of the organizational health movement, somebody I've really benefited from through his writings and through his teachings. I've interviewed him in the past. He's the author of 11 books, which has sold, get this, over 6 million copies and been translated into more than 30 languages. And as president of The Table Group, Pat spends his time speaking and writing about leadership, teamwork, organizational health, and consulting with executives and their teams. Prior to founding the firm in 1997, Pat worked at Bain & Company, Oracle Corporation, and Zybase. Pat lives in the Bay Area with his wife and four boys. Pat, welcome to the show. It is great to be here, Michael. It's been years since I've seen you in person, but uh, it's great to spend some time on on Zoom doing a podcast with you. Well, I, I've followed your work, you know, all these years, and I was telling you before we got on today that I just finished your new book, The Motive, which you were telling me came out just before the pandemic. I My last book actually came out one month into the pandemic, wow. so that wasn't the best timing, but, you know, I think it was relevant. And frankly, I think, you know, The Motive, which we're not going to be talking about today, is a book that everybody listening to this should absolutely get because your insight on leadership and what separates those who should be leading from those who should never be leading is really powerful. And it's never been more important than in a pandemic. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, that interestingly enough, if if somebody said, which of your books should we start with? And you've never read any. I think you got to read the motive first, because if your reason for leading is not the right one, it's tough to it's tough yeah. to do the job well. Well, I agree, and you, in fact, say that in the book that that's the one I think you wish you'd have written first, or the one that really comes logically first. And I I couldn't agree more. But we're here to talk about a new program, a new initiative you have called the Working Genius. So tell us a little bit about that and who it's for and what it does. So, yeah, and I'm writing a book about this, but we're launching this tool first because it's really about the tool. And the, so the book and the tool are called The Six Types of Working Genius because as it turns out, there are six required skill sets that people need to get anything done. And, and everybody has two of those six is everybody's what we call working genius. It's the thing they love to do, and they're usually great at it, and it gives them energy and joy and Two of those six are what we call their working frustration, which means it drains them of energy and joy, and they're usually not very good at it. And then there's two in the middle that are called working competency, which, which you can do it pretty well, maybe, but they're, they don't really feed you. Here's the point, Michael. If a person doesn't know what their working genius is, there's a decent chance that they're going to be in a job that's frustrating them, and they don't know why. And so we've realized, and this was based on my own frustration at work for the last 20 years, I finally cracked the code. We were sitting around the table and we finally figured it out and it all came together through this model in the middle of the pandemic. And and we started sharing it with other people and it was people were blown away that it finally explained so much about why they either love their work or didn't love their work and how they could change. And so this is an insight that we want everybody who does any kind of work to get about themselves. Well, before we go too much further, where can people go to find out more about this? The website is workinggenius.com. 
Working Genius, two Gs in there at the end of Working, beginning of Genius, workinggenius.com. And by the way, there's a code W-I-N. If you put that in, WIN, you get a 50% discount because of listening to the podcast. So, Oh, that's awesome. Very generous of you. So thank you. Well, at Michael Hyatt and Company, we love personality tests. We love self-assessments. So do I. You know, we, we've developed our, our own for some of our clients, but, uh, you know, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, all those, how is this one different? What, it, what is this going to tell me that those others won't tell me? So this one is focused specifically on work and getting things done. And I've done all those other tests too. And, and I love them. I love talking about the Myers-Briggs and DISC and all those different things. But what we realize is it doesn't necessarily correlate. Like you say, you're an ENFP. Okay, what should you do on this project? And one ENFP has a different set of working genius than another. And until we did this, we didn't understand exactly how to apply that kind of stuff. So this is specifically geared toward the, the acts of getting things done. And it's very fast, it's very practical, and it can be applied in a half hour after you figure out what you are, you read about it, and you go, I know what I need to change in the, what we do at work. I know how to reorganize. We reorganized our entire company after we figured out what this was. So it's super practical, and it's all about work. Well, I loved it. I took this on Wednesday. Uh, you know, we're recording this on Friday, but I took this on Wednesday of this week. It didn't take long. And, you know, like, like a lot of tests, it forces me to make a decision between two things that I'm not quite sure which is the right one. And one of the things you say in the assessment is don't overthink this. You know, answer the, usually the first thing that comes to mind is, is the best way to do it. But how did you come up with these uh, six types of genius? Because I'm, I'm always fascinated when people come up with assessments. Where did that come from? I love the question because I, I always wondered the same thing. And I think, I think that necessity is the mother of invention. And I was sitting here in this building, one floor up. And uh, it was in the middle of the pandemic. And I was doing like a presentation to a whole group of people. In fact, it was a group of priests. And, and afterward, I had a, a Zoom call with my team that was serving them. And I was giving them feedback. And we were having a conversation about all that. And then after that, I turned to the colleague I was with, and I was coming up with this new idea, and she turned to me and she said, why do you do what you do? What is it that makes you do these things? And I said, I don't know, but I want to figure it out because I'm really frustrated at times, and I'm really happy at times, and I don't get it. And that she and I started talking. We walked across the street to our other office, joined two other colleagues, and within a couple hours, I had these circles written on a board. And, and we were like wait a second, this actually makes sense. And we were all applying it. That night, I went home and had a Zoom call with one of our consultants. I shared it with him, just like, hey, I came up with this thing today. The next morning, so less than like 12 hours after I shared it with him, he was going over it. He was with a client who was having some difficulty with their team. He said, hey, let me show you something. And the guy, the CEO of this company started crying. He had tears in his eyes. He was like, oh my gosh, this explains everything. Wow. I get what's going on with my team. I get why I'm so frustrated. And so from that moment on, Michael, we just kept sharing it with people and they couldn't stop talking about it. We couldn't stop applying it. And we had never used a tool so much in our lives. And our clients were saying, this is real. So it was, again, by necessity, my own frustration, other people's face validity. And we said, we're onto something here that people are using and, and benefiting from. So we, that's how it happened. Well, I can tell you for me, when I got my test results back and I read through the report, 
it, it dialed in something for me that's been a question for years. Because I have, you know, through other assessments, I've gotten some, some nuance about what I should be involved in right. as the CEO of our company and what I shouldn't be and, you know, all of that. But nothing that gave me the aha like the Working Genius Report. I love hearing that. So you know, I just, it gave me a sense of freedom. And I want to, I want to tell people what you are. Okay. Okay. Because, because when you look at this, by the way, you know how powerful this is? We just hired two guys out of college, my son and a buddy of his to, to start at our company. And we hired them because they were cultural fits to our company. But then we, we figured out the working genius and they hadn't started yet. And we thought we got to figure out what they're awesome at. And so we did the working genius as, as a result of that, we assigned them to projects that we knew would tap into their genius and they've been wildly successful. If we had if we had reversed it and put one of them on the other, one project and one on the other, it would not have gone as well. And and it allowed us to make very practical decisions about what makes this guy shine and what would drive him crazy. And it was just it made such a difference. And so when I look at your type, I look at you you got perfect scores on two areas. You love to come up with new ideas. You have the genius of invention. It fires you up to come up with a new idea out of nothing, to be originally creative. And you also love to galvanize people. You have the genius of galvanizing. You like to get people excited and get them moving. And your listeners know this about you. They're, they would be like, yeah, no duh, right? But those are the two things. Now, ask somebody else to do your job that didn't have these geniuses. There are people that would say, I would kill myself if I had to do that every day. And that's the crazy thing about this. Everybody is so different, and if we can just find a way to put somebody in a job that largely taps into their genius, everybody's performance is going to go up, their satisfaction is going up, you're going to get more done in less time, and people are going to go home at night, better versions of themselves for it. So those are your two working geniuses. Here are your working frustrations, okay? And they're the same as mine. You are not the person to put in a job that says, when somebody asks you to do something, just do it on their terms. It's called the genius of enablement. Enablement is a wonderful thing. I work with people that are so good at this. But when somebody comes to me and says, I need your help. This is what I need. Can you just do it the way I want you to do it? I'm like, no, I need to make sure that I think this is the right thing to do. I just can't do it. Now, my wife has the genius of enablement, which is a beautiful thing. And she will tell you that I can never just do it that way. I have to think through it. I have to come up with a better idea. I have to question why they're doing it this way. So that's not, and, and so don't put you in a job where it's just respond to the needs of others on their terms. That is so true. I mean, I can't listen to somebody even share an idea. Like I go to a conference and I hear somebody sharing an idea and I'm immediately, you know, thinking, oh, well, here's a, here would be a better way to say that, or here'd be a better way to create that. You know, I just, yeah, I just, I have to create and you know something, and that's a great skill of yours, but in some senses, it's not. And so what this does is allows somebody to go, hey, Michael, we don't need your eye right now, your invention. <laughs> Could you please? Like your staff comes to you and go, we got to do this one thing. And you say, oh, but I have a better idea. And they're like, hey, we love your invention, but we don't want your eye right now. This is not an eye project. <laughs> yeah. And at least you right. go, okay, okay, I can turn my eye off for a moment. Right? I get it. Now, your other one, the genius of tenacity, like finishing things, like seeing things through to the end and like dogging them until it's finished. Now, 
I know that you can force yourself to do that because you're very successful, but it's so much better if other people will say, hey, Michael, you got us going. You came up with this new idea. We love it. We will take it from here. (laughs) See, this is one of the beauties of this, Michael. It allows people to stop feeling guilty for not being good at certain things that are just not God-given talents. And yet, like we grow up thinking, well, I'm not good at finishing things or doing things exactly the way other people tell me. Um, That means I'm probably lazy and irresponsible. It's like, no, your gifts are not in that area. And so you don't have to feel guilty. You know what else it does? It allows us not to make unfair judgments about others. Yes. When we go, why aren't you doing this? Don't you care? And they're like, yes, I care. I'm just not naturally gifted in that. So we've reorganized our company to play to people's strengths and gifts and to help them understand what their areas of frustration are. And it's made a huge difference in our day-to-day satisfaction. Okay, so my areas of frustration, again, are enablement and tenacity. And tenacity. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, I, I totally see that. And I, I have to tell you, even as you're talking, I'm just going to tell you my emotion. When you say that tenacity is a frustration, and even as I admitted it, there's a little bit of shame I feel. Yeah. Like I ought to be a better finisher. Yeah. And, you know, so I was working with a guy who, and we have the same Myers-Briggs type. He's a, he works here with us. And we're both ENFPs. But my, I have the genius of invention like you, and he doesn't. And he was like, what's wrong with me? We have the same Myers-Briggs type. Do I watch too much TV? Am I wasting my time on social media? Why am I not inventive like him? And he did the test, and he was like, oh, my gosh. I'm actually a galvanizer. He's not. I know what I need to do. I need to feed his invention, and then I need to go and do my part. And he he had been feeling guilty. Now he can celebrate that I'm good at something, and I can celebrate what he's good at, and I don't criticize him, and he doesn't feel guilty. It's it's really, truly liberating. I love that. You know, and I think it's also an argument for why you need all these geniuses in your company if you're going to have a fully developed company and reach your potential. Is that right? Absolutely. And so, and a few of these things people see as not being a, a genius at all. And it's like, no, you have genius in that. They're like, oh, I'm just a pushover. And it's like, no, you're not. You have the genius of being able to see what needs to be done and supporting and uplifting that exactly at the right time in the way people need. That is genius. There's one of the geniuses called the genius of wonder. Now, neither you nor I nor Megan have this as our our working genius, our our main one, but it's neither is it our working frustration. It's in the middle for us. We can do it, but we don't love to sit in it for a long time. And that's the genius of people who look at things and and ponder, could this be better? What's going on here? What I, I, I feel like they don't necessarily know how to solve it, but they can sit in it and go, there's something not quite right. I think mm. we could do better. And people that have that, my wife is one of them, usually don't get recognized for that because it doesn't seem very practical. And yet without that, an organization is so frequently going to fail to tap into their full potential. I was with an executive team, a multi-billion dollar software company. We did this with them two days ago, and nobody on the team had the genius of wonder. And the CFO said, oh my gosh, we spend no time pondering the larger state of things. We move right into problem solving and we don't sit there long enough just looking at what's going on and we miss so much. And so these software executives were like, we need pondering and none of us like to do it. That is so fascinating. So you could, if, if you weren't careful, you could be solving 
the wrong problem. That's what happens. Yeah. Or not solving it as thoroughly or as completely as you should. I have the genius of invention. Well, the next genius is called the genius of discernment. And discerners are the ones, they take what the inventor comes up with and look at it and go, that's a great idea. Or no, that's a terrible idea. Just because somebody invents something doesn't mean it should be launched. So we talked to the the head of innovation at one of the most preeminent innovative companies in America. And we went through this and they said they were jumping from invention to tenacity. Like somebody would invent something and then they just go implement it. And they said they weren't spending any time in discernment. They needed people that had instincts and gut feel and, and the ability to kind of see things in patterns so that when the inventor came to them and said, what about this product? It takes somebody with the, with the genius of discernment, which is a very real thing to say, I think that's a great idea, or I think you're missing something, or let's talk more about this, or that one would be a disaster. Not every invention is a good one, and you need the genius of discernment in order to make sure you don't invent something off a cliff or drive your company into the ground. And so this guy said, we, half the things we launch fail, and we just think, well, that's the way it is. But if we actually spent some time in discernment, we would launch fewer products and a much higher percentage would succeed. Well, I, I mean, as somebody who has the genius of invention, I, I really think I, I'd be lucky to say that 20% of my ideas are worth pursuing. Some of them work and most of them don't. But we're going to spend a lot of resources pursuing my ideas if we don't have somebody. And I don't know who it is. I think we've got this. But until everybody takes a test, I won't know. But uh, I hope we have some people with, with the genius of discernment. Well, and, and as it turns out, you and Megan are both fair. It's in your middle category. So it's not that you, have, that you hate doing it. So right. that, that can be a saving grace. What you want to do is look at it and say, am I in a deficit of this? You know, the way I like to describe the working genius, it's like a coffee cup. And it's like you pour hot liquid into it and you put a lid on it and it holds the heat and it holds the liquid for a very long time. You know, that's our, we have passion for it. We have enthusiasm. The working competency, that middle area is like you pour it in there, but there's no lid. So it stays hot for a while, but eventually the heat dissipates. And if you left it outside for long enough, it would evaporate. The working frustration is like a coffee cup with a hole in the bottom. So you pour it in there and it goes away. So if I, if, if I were to say, hey, gee, I'm looking at your report. Discernment is one of your areas of working frustration. I would say, Michael, when you invent something, please make sure that someone's discerning it. But you are not probably going to invent something ridiculous. Nonetheless, you, there are people in your organization that are going to love discernment. You probably already have them. And they love when you come up with an idea because they get to tell you whether or not it's going to work or not. Okay, let's talk about Megan's report. Megan, as you know, is a co-host on this show and usually with us, but she couldn't be with us for this interview. But there's some unique things about our, our two reports I want you to talk about. And I, I want to give you permission to talk about the good and the bad. Yes. Well, so the good news is you're very similar. But that could be the bad news, too. Mm-hmm. You and her both have the, the order. Like, you order the six things, right? You go right down the list. And, and you both have the same order of invention, galvanizing, discernment, wonder, tenacity, enablement. It's nuts. I mean, what are, the, what are the chances that you'd have the same order? You guys are very similar in how you get work done. It's almost like we have the same DNA. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> although, although I have identical twins that have both been in the office with me working, and they have very different Genius. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, so, but you have the same things. Now, what that means, though, 
is if you guys didn't appreciate the fact that other people in the organization actually responded to your needs and got things done, if you didn't celebrate those people who had the geniuses of tenacity and enablement, you could turn into an organization that comes up with great ideas and gets people excited and that never finishes anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but, so you guys have the similar strengths and similar blind spots, but overall, now, if you guys were the only two people in your organization, or if you were married, this could be a problem. So my wife and I did this, right? She and I are the only two parents in our organ, in our com- in our family. <laughs> There's six of us, just two parents. Neither of us like tenacity. So that means we're both constantly going, you do it, you do it. I don't want to do it. Why don't you do it? I came home from work one day, Michael, and the power was out. And I thought, wow, there must be a power outage in our neighborhood. And she said, no, there's not. I said, well, what do you mean? What's going on? Yeah, we forgot to pay the utility bill. (laughs) (laughs) And okay, imagine the most people listening to this would be like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But we look at each other, we go, but we came up with a great new idea. And we're launching products. We invented a game. My wife wrote a musical that she came up with. But we didn't pay our damn bills, and our power got shut off. And, and we have to look at each other and go, okay, okay, let, let's move beyond the shame and solve this problem. How are we going to make sure that things happen? So if there's just two of you in a business and you have the same blind spots, you could have some problems. You might need to outsource something. But in your case, as long as you're tapping into the geniuses of others in the organization, you're going to be okay. Well, good. That's a relief. So I'm not surprised by that that result. Megan and I have a lot of similarities on other tests as well as I was sharing with you before. But here's a here's a question I have: Is this nature or nurture? In other words, am I born with this type of genius, or is it developed over time, and can it change? I think you're born with it. I think these are God given gifts. I look back to my earliest years. You know what's interesting, Michael? My dad raised me to have tenacity and enablement. So for most of my years, until I was probably in my 20s, I was, I never missed class. I always did my assignments. I was obedient and thorough, and I had obsessive compulsive disorder because I think I was swimming so hard against the grain that I was broken. And those were not things I, I was thinking about just this morning in the shower, I was preparing, I was thinking about the podcast. When he sent me to college, and God bless my dad, God rest his soul, he said, Pat, you should study accounting and computers because that's where you're going to get a job. And I went to college and I hated accounting. I dropped out of computers after two days and I really wanted to be a writer and study psychology. (laughs) But I ended up with economics because I thought it was a middle ground. The truth of the matter is I never liked those things. And yet, because my dad didn't go to college and he was very practical and wanted me to be practical, he encouraged me to do the things that I just, that just wore me out. And so I think from the earliest age, we, I have a 14-year-old, that's my youngest. His are clear. And my wife and I, after going through this test, said, okay, getting work done is how, what he does with homework and schoolwork. And we recognize that he needs some help because his natural inclinations are not you know, staying on top of his work and wanting to do the best and all those things. So this gave us insight into how we needed to parent him and how we needed to prevent him from getting crushed by feedback that just wasn't natural. 
You know, one of the things I've learned from the strengths movement, from Gallup's yeah. you know, strengths finder and all that, is that when you work with people's natural bent, their natural strengths, and in this case, their natural genius, you're going to get so much more mileage than trying to get them to be something they're not. Oh my God. And how many people go through life in a job? I mean, one of the reasons I started this, that my company and, and I did this is because my dad, again, God rest his soul, was pretty frustrated at work for many years. And he, all, he had one job for all that time. You know, he grew up in that generation. And I always thought, why should people go to work and be frustrated? It's just wrong. And he was good at what he did, but he wasn't managed well and all this stuff. Part of the reason why people are frustrated because they pick a career long before they know what their talents are. And then they grind it out. And Nick, our engineer, is not in his head here. You know this. And it's like, we have to help people figure out their genius so they can use them. God didn't give us geniuses and gifts so we could put them on the back burner. He wants us to serve others and serve the world using the gifts he gave us. And if we don't know what they are, we can't do that. Man, we're launching this. And I hope over Thanksgiving, a whole bunch of families take this. Mm -hmm. And over Christmas break, and they go, oh my gosh, I know what I should study now, or I know how I should go to my boss and rearrange my job, or I know what field I should go into. This is that quick, that practical, and that simple. Okay, so let's, let's get really practical here in the few minutes that we have remaining. Number one, take the test. That's step one. Take the test. Takes 15 minutes at, that, at most. And again, the URL for that? Workinggenius.com. Okay, so you guys, go to workinggenius.com. Use the promotional code W-I-N. W-I-N. Is it all like caps? When, all caps. All caps. Okay, that's going to get you a 50% discount, which is amazing. It's going to cost you 12 bucks to do this. And the report that comes back is rich. And there's videos that you can watch and, and other things in there. We tried to make the report very rich. Okay, so just unsolicited advice from me. Why are you not charging more for this? You know, because we want the world to use it. And, and it truly, we, we thought about this is we would rather make less money and have more people do this. You know, I'm a, I'm a person of faith and I want to serve others. And when we started our company, we said, we want to change the world of work. And we thought we could price it higher and we could make it more of a corporate thing because companies will pay money for that. But we want that kid in college to do it. We want that mom to have all of her sons and daughters do it. We want people in a small business that don't have a lot of money to do it. And we think good things will happen if that occurs. Awesome. Guys, this is a steal. Do it. If you don't get $12 of value out of this, I'd be shocked. You're going to get, you know, 100x that. Okay, so step number one, take the test. Then step number two you're going to read it. And then what should you do as a result of reading this report? That's a great question. So there's, there's four different things you can do with there. There's two main ones. One, you can go and apply it on a team. Cause when, okay. so if you work on a team of any kind and you go, okay, let's all look at our, oh my gosh, you're doing stuff that I love. I'm doing stuff that you love, but somehow when we got our jobs, we thought we had to do this. Can we, we should rearrange this. Your satisfaction will go up. Our clients will be better served. We'll get more done. So, so apply it as a team. That's one thing. And there's a lot of advice about that in the report. Secondly, um, you can think about it in terms of how do I adjust my current job, my current work? I mean, and even like my wife did this and she's a W.E. She's wonder. She loves to think about big picture thoughts and she's an E. She loves to serve the needs of others. Half the stuff she does every day. Just this morning, I was in the bathroom. I said, honey, what's on tap for today? And she told me and I was thinking, oh my gosh, she has so much tea. We, she and I have talked about we are going to outsource guilt-free more and more of what she needs to do at home because she needs to live in her genius and it's worth it. So adjust your current job. The other thing is, you can think about 
am I in the right field, the right career in terms of what I do every day? So it's good for career planning and and thinking about that. And then somewhere in between there, it's like, if you're in this pandemic and you're between jobs, this is a great way to go find the next one that's going to send you home at night feeling great about what you've done. So it's, So I guess it would be teamwork, your current job, the next job, and then maybe even your career. That's really, really powerful. And I, and I would say that if you're a CEO or a business owner, you know, and if you see yourself, we've used this metaphor many times on Lead to Win, if you see yourself as the symphony conductor, you know, your, your job is to call up the various talents and capabilities of other people. It's, it seems like, Pat, this is a great way to make sure that you have all the instruments represented so that you have a full orchestra, to continue the metaphor, so that you can make the most beautiful music you're capable of making. Leadership is orchestrating, and it's it's calling out people's talents at the right time. And you can predict, if one of these is missing on a team, you can predict their problems. And people look at this and say, yep, we're bad at that because nobody on the team does that, or the, the people that can do it aren't in that job. So it totally makes a difference in, in that regard. By the way, we have prices, like sometimes we, a company is going to go, everybody take it. So we've made it very easy for them to buy a, a license for an entire company, and then they can go out and everybody can take it and start talking about it. That's the thing. If it becomes your language, people will start saying, hey, people come to me at work now and they say, Pat, we need your eye. Yeah. Or they'll say, are you eyeing this or are you geeing this? Are you trying to get me to do something or are you just throwing this out there for me to discern? And I'm like, oh, good question. I'm just eyeing it. And so it becomes part of the vocabulary of understanding what we're working on and what we need from one another rather than assuming somebody is asking you to do something that they're not. So good. So powerful. Well, I wish you all the best on this. I think this is an incredibly worthwhile project. This may be the thing that, you know, three decades from now, five decades from now, people look back and remember you for because you changed the language, the way people think about their work, the way they talk about their work. So I good on so. you. Thanks. You know, one of our, the people that works here has been here like six years. When we came up with this, he went home to his wife and he said, I think we just did something that's bigger than the five dysfunctions of a team because that's kind of the most popular thing we do. And I actually think this is more accessible, more practical, and more applied. So we're, God willing, this will help people change their lives. Fantastic. So guys, go to workinggenius.com, take the test, and then do the steps that uh, Pat talked about. So Pat, thanks so much for being with us today. It is my pleasure. It's great to see you and, and God bless to everybody listening. Thank you guys for listening to us. And until next week, lead to win.